We've um, titled the message today, or the messages, The Mother Heart of God and Fostering. There's the Mother and Father Heart of God. I've actually been the mother and the father this weekend. (laughs) Yeah, cheers for me. Yeah. (laughs) The Mother and the Father. Well, the uh, father has gone with the Akohata Browns to have a big party in Wellington. I've been the mother and the father. And, uh, you know, just as I can be that, God can be the mother and the father too. And um, we've got some really cool people that are going to share into the space of fostering. Um, do you know that in Scripture we're instructed more than 50 times to care for the orphan and the widow? God's heart is for the orphan. I've got a couple of Scriptures here. Could we read it together? God, who lives in his sacred temple, cares for orphans and protects widows. He gives the lonely a home to live in and leads prisoners out into happy freedom. And the next one. God was kind and decided that Christ would choose us to be his, to be God's own adopted children. We're all adopted. We've all been adopted into the family of God. We've been grafted in. It's on his heart. So if I could ask first um, Sandy and Ben, would you come up here, please? Bring those babies up here, too. We're going to hear a little bit about how um, God has called some of the people in our midst here at Wainui, how he's enlarged the tent pegs of their hearts and in two of the cases today, their homes, to make room for others. Um, so um, thanks, first off, last minute for um, agreeing to um, speak today. It's quite a big deal uh, for Sandy. We had a funny conversation about this, I can tell you later. Um, it was a bit about putting on your big girl pants to um, get up here. And she's here, and she's smiling, and she's gorgeous. Can you, can you guys tell us a bit about your family and how you came to be involved in fostering? Sani hasn't got the pants on today. So. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a dress on. So. <laughs> you got the pants going. Um, we, Sani originally was involved with the ambulance and she came across um, lots of parents, situations and parents where they weren't looking after their kids very well and we sort of had a thought about it and um, we decided to go down to go down the track of becoming caregivers. And your um, your families, tell me about how many children are part of your lives okay. and who they are. Um, I've got three adult children and nine mokupona and um, it was through a lot of discussion between Ben and myself and um, over the years we ended up with, you know, the grandchildren and that sort of made it even more, <laughs> sorry, even even more, um, yeah, what we had to do, what we, what God wanted us to do. And believe me, that was not in my plan when I raised my children. I thought, yes, out the door you go. But, um, yeah, God had other plans for us. And so we eventually went and we were through SIFS, caregivers through SIFS, 
for five or six years. Our second placement was there for ten days, and it is now being. Sorry, he was meant to be there for yeah, ten days. Yeah. Six years later, we still have him, and we've been granted um, additional guardianship. And um, yeah, we're working with their parents because we believe, you know, we're, we've got another family that has come in. They're now extended family. Yeah, so we believe that the children should be still a big part of their own biological families' lives. So the the boys still have a um, mummy and daddy, and with us we have um, mama and dada. And their their mum and dad, they actually signed them over with us. So that was that was um, a huge step in the families becoming more one. So that was good. Um, we've moved on now. We're with Turanga Social Services. And we do respite caregiving, and um, sometimes they contract out through Oranga Tamariki now, which is the old SIFs, and um, we get children through there still as well. So we've got two little additions with us for a few months, and then hopefully they'll be going home to their mummy and daddy. Yeah. They are beautiful. <laughs> Delicious. Yeah. So um, thank you. I think you've um, covered a lot about why you foster. So it started off, did you say the ambulance? You were doing a bit of work yeah. with the ambulance. I'd be going out and we'd be going out to calls and that and you'd be seeing um, nobody ever expects to call an ambulance and you'd be seeing little ones, um, not all the time, but little ones that um, shouldn't be in situations that they were in. Um, yeah, just and that sort of pulled on my heartstrings and talked about it with Ben and, um, yeah. Yeah. What, what we enjoy with the respite care more is definitely looking after the children but knowing that you're giving the parents the break that they need as well so that they have a chance to regroup and have a rest, really. Awesome. That's fabulous. Can really feel the um, love of God for you in this um, mahi because it's big work, you know. It's twenty four seven. And um, are there? Um, well, um, thank you guys. Is there anything you wanted to add? Well, thank you for thank you for coming up. So um, I've I had considered asking how do we wrap around you guys to care for you, and I asked this of each of the women who are going to speak today, and I think it was quite hard for them to say. How to um, how to care, uh, but I came across something, and it's called wrap. And I got this idea off listening to something on Focus on the Family, which have a huge ministry to adoptive families. So this is how you can care for adoptive families. All right, W, wrestle in prayer for them for their children and their situations they've come from and might be going back into. Respite care, have them over <laughs> or um, or shout them a movie ticket or something, I don't know, whatever God gives you. Acts of service, just maybe even looking out for them when the kids are all running around and just, yeah, just helping them out a bit. And the promises of God, the P in rap, which is um, maybe ask them, what are the promises God has given you for these little ones and be 
be part of praying those promises in over those children. Yeah, bless you guys. Thank you for what you do. Just like to call up next, Natalie. Come on up. Welcome, babe. Natalie's got a great story. She's got a big story. So, um, and I'm privileged to know a good chunk of that. But um, we can hear some of that today. In Māori families, um, it's called whāngai. The term is whāngai, when you are involved in raising members of your extended family as your own. And Natalie, you're all about whānau, is that right? I am. Can you tell us about your family and those you've had the privilege in raising? So I've been really blessed in my family. I come from a family of three, so I've been raised with a brother, uh, two brothers, um, and the family that I consider family now come from a wide range of different people. So um, myself, I have given birth to one child. I've been the mother to another boy who's now 18. Um, I'm also a widow, so my husband's been um, gone now for for six years, and um, our son was only nine months when he was born. So the God's given me a gift of a mother's heart, but also I'm wrestling with a father's heart as well um, as I look to raise um, these boys. And in my life, it seems to be lots of boys. And um, also in my family, so um, I lost my older brother um, in the middle of January, and a part of that story has been he's left behind all these gorgeous children. Um, and... From a very young age, God has given me a love for others, especially for children, and I've attempted to share this love with them. So he has lots of kids, and I try and have a big impact into the lives of his two younger boys and his daughter, um, who was only nine months when he passed away, but also in his older boy, and that's my 18-year-old. So in my home, there's myself and two boys, and we um, gladly accept others for sometimes nights during the week, but also most weekends. Um, and that just brings me a lot of joy. Oh. So this is my husband and I when we were married down in Anoda Bay. Um, you might recognise him from the Dark Horse movie. His name is Genesis Portini. Um, and he's buried here at Tarihiru. Um This is us at, you might recognise the marae too from our normal camps, but this is Whangara Marae <laughs> many years ago. And so this is my family here. Um, they're all my family. That's my oldest boy. His name is Nathaniel. Like I said, he belongs to my older brother. His mother and father couldn't care for him, for him, and he's been a part of our family since before he turned one. And that there is Norpeta, um, who's now six, and that was us just before we went to the Dark Horse premiere in um, Auckland. That's my boy. And so Priya, Sha was talking about what we can do, um, the church can do for us. And so I've been seeking prayer for Nathaniel. Um, and I'm just asking the church just to speak into that space. I'm asking for um, prayer for him and his life and what God has in store for him. So this is Norpeta's first photo. So Norpeta, if you didn't know, was is an IVF baby. So my husband and I couldn't have children. So that's his first photo at, I think it was eight cells old. Um, <laughs> about five days about to, yes, go where he needed to go. And... Um, that's a special testimony for my husband and I because we were told it was going to be two years before we would even be on the waiting list to have children. I was pregnant within six months. And the journey that we had just had God's handprint 
all through it. And so we look at that photo, and it just means so much to me because it was a promise from God for what he had in store for my life. And so these are my boys. And when I talk about my boys, I talk about all my kids. So Norpita, just to the um, left, Puni in the middle, whose um, name is Shane, and Tani James. And those two are my boys, uh, my brother's boys. And as we go through life, um, God has impressed upon me that um, Shah was asking about what does God have in store for these boys. And Jeremiah 29, 11 keeps coming to my mind that God has a plan for these boys and it's a plan of, for good and not for evil. And the statistics say that these boys will amount to nothing, but my God is bigger than those statistics. Yeah. And I believe that with all of my heart that they will be what God has created them to be. Yeah. This is us, myself and three boys flew to Australia for a holiday um, at Wet and Wild in Sydney. Um, and as part of that, um, my younger brother, who lives in Australia, um, we've been a tight-knit family. Um, as part of that, um, we seek to have, not experiences, because I don't want to spoil them, but I just want them to know the love of God, and I want them to know that love of God through me. And I keep asking God to use me as an instrument in their lives, that my legacy will include these boys as well when I'm gone. Yeah, yeah. Good. Sure, they're so gorgeous. <laughs> they're so cute. The mini golf. And have been. I said, um, I've known Shane since the day he was born. Um, Tani since he was about 18 months old. Um, we toilet trained all the boys together. Um, they've all learnt to run around and to play rugby. They've learned to be mischief. Um, all together. And it's <laughs> recently, and they are just full of the joy of the Lord. And the reason for what I do is I'll never forget last year, um, Puni, the younger of the three, um, went home and his mum was really sad. And they come from a home that is probably not what we would want for our own children. And he said to his mum, he goes, but mum, don't forget, Jesus loves you. And that little, you know, that, that little glimpse into his heart gave me so much joy is that don't ever forget that Jesus loves you. And that was um, just a little touch for his mum. So I don't want to just impact these kids, but those around them as well. Um, also as part, this is um, who we call in our family baby boy. He was born at 27 weeks old. Um, I was privileged enough to be there at his birth. Um, he belongs to my cousin. Um, but to pray over that situation. She's been to our church and she's had prayer. She's had several miscarriages. And today we celebrate her second Mother's Day. Her first Mother's Day was stuck in Waikato Hospital with a little baby. But today we get to celebrate with her. And I get to be a part of that um, journey for her. And I'll never forget holding when she lost the baby. He was about 18 weeks old and she had miscarried. But I saw the glory of God in that baby. He was fully formed. He, you could tell all his bits and pieces. And I knew, God, you're so amazing. It's just so amazing. And not only our babies, but in these babies that are still to come. And so this child um, also calls me mama, which is quite special because I get to have, you know, a big part in his life as well. And that's baby girl. She's the one crying at the back, sorry. <laughs> and she has. Um, and so been a, has been a big part of my life because her and I now are the only girls because um, we come from a family of boys. So to be able to speak into her life and to enjoy her is just um, 
It's just the blessing. It's just been a blessing. And so this is a photo of me, obviously my Nathaniel on the left there, but that um, guy on the right is my older brother. And so he passed away of cancer in the middle of January and he left behind this amazing family um, of all these young children. And I had the um, privilege of um, speaking with him as he was unwell about the goodness of God and encouraging him to build those relationships um, with a God that he knows and a God that he loves um, and making a promise to him that I would give the gift of God's love to his children um, and to his partner and to the family that are around him. And um, he's been an amazing part of my life and still is. And so this is myself and my brothers. So my older brother is Shane and my younger brother is Lance. Um, and today is bittersweet because you'll see another photo of um, my mum. So I lost my husband six years ago, but I also lost my mum five years ago. And today, Mother's Day is bittersweet because I miss that relationship um, as a daughter. It's my mum there, pretty pretty. And um, as, as a, um, but also as a mother. So I celebrate because I'm a mother and I'm blessed to be a mother. And I celebrate because my mum. Um, although she's not here, but she was a lover of Christ and she knew my God in a personal um, way. And so part of her testimony, which is a part of mine, is that I grew up um, in Rotoria, a little town up the coast, but I grew up outside of the local pub. I grew up doing my homework by streetlight. I grew up um, knowing very early in my young days what private and confidential meant on an envelope what random people turning up at the door meant, especially men looking for money for um, the bills that my mother didn't pay. And I knew that of her, but I still loved her with all my heart because she was my mum. And she taught me a lot of, and she's made me who I am today. I grew up without a father. I grew up in a split family. Uh, we grew up in a house that didn't have power. We grew up in a house where you bathed in a bucket, where you went to school. Um, if you had food in the cupboards... And as a part of that legacy is that my God has so much in store for my own boys, that his will for them is for good. Yeah, that, his, that, that what he sees in them is more than what the world looks at them. They look at their long hair, and he's given me that gift where I can speak into their lives through him. And my biggest blessing and my biggest prayer is that I will be that physical representation of God's love to these boys and um, I strive to do that as much as I can because I think it's just so important. Um, and I'm blessed that it um, comes quite naturally to me, I think, through God, always through God. And that's my mum there. And there are still times now, even as a grown adult, where I miss my mum. <laughs> I wish she was around. Well, um, thank you, love. You have uh, had a heart that has been enlarged and enlarged and enlarged and a huge capacity to love, which comes from the Lord. And we honour him and we honour you. And here's a little little thing for you to do.
Here, darling. Happy Mother's Day from <laughs> us, love. <laughs> Chrissy, would you come up, please? Thank you, Chrissy, for agreeing to come share with us today. Um, Chrissy um, is mum, and also she is a supervisor at Oranga Tamariki, formerly SIFS. Have you have you been in that work for a, a long time? Eighteen and a half years. <laughs> hey, can you do you have any idea how many children nationally or just in Gizzi? are in need of short-term or long-term care. Okay. I had a brief discussion with my colleague, um, who's a key of a social worker senior practitioner in the office yesterday. In terms of numbers, it's, it's challenging to actually give an actual number because social workers work really hard to keep the children with extended whānau. But we came up with a number and we thought, well, 20. 10 would be great too and 5 would be awesome. But we thought 20... Yeah, okay. and in terms of nationwide, uh, that would go on to over a thousand. So, wow. Yeah. But thank you. That's good to know. I mean, we've got a lot of churches in Gisborne, and um, I'm counting on God challenging hearts into this area. It's a fabulous area that Christians can speak into. Um, I have, but it is the Lord's leading, isn't it? You know, it's not just, oh, I think I'll do this today, and now I think I'll give up next week. <laughs> you know, it really is the leading of the Lord. Um, I got quite challenged in this work um, years ago through friends down in Porirua. They're in a community down there of Christians living in a um, quite hard area and they do intentional community living and um, impacting the community with um, getting on the school board and uh, living in the community and actually getting to know their neighbours but also fostering has been part of what they do intentionally to impact for good the wider community. So it's, it's possible. Um, when I listened to the Focus on the Family um, down, down, what do you call them, podcast, whatever, <laughs> um, one of them talked about uh, there was something like 400,000 children in the foster system at that time of that broadcast, and there were 300,000 churches. And the maths was easy to do. <laughs> there you go one point something in every church and they'd have it nailed but um, anyway this is just to put it out there um, if the Lord is leading you um, into that area too here's a really neat lady who could share with you and give you some insight on that but um, yeah so about 20 roughly now mm-hmm. and a whole lot nationally just um, sticking with the work Papa for a little bit more, over the years have you seen sort of shifts or trends as to why kids enter the system, like changes over those years? Yes, definitely. Um, there's increases, and I use the word increases because I always relate it back to the Lord and what our word tells us that, you know, in the end, end times or towards the end, things in society get a lot worse. So we've got increases in the breakdown of the family unit, access, easy access to drugs, class A drugs, methamphetamine, known as P. Increase in alcoholism, violence, sexual abuse, homosexuality and acceptance of homosexuality. Gang involvement is huge and intergenerational abuse is huge because we know that abuse of any type is intergenerational and has a spiritual component to that as well. So what are you um, 
they're the strong, what do you see as the spiritual strongholds over okay. New Zealand families? Mm-hmm. I just want to say that some of the results of what I just read out was the effect on brain development and um, stunt of the, stunting of the brain, and then a result in complex behaviours that medication actually doesn't work on. It's about managing that behaviour, and um, we have a lot more children that have alcohol fetal syndrome and are born um, being on, well, children of meth, so we really don't know what that's going to mean in terms of their development and how their behaviour's going to be. So they're really children that are disabled. Yeah, um, so strongholds. Yes, this was the easy part for me. Um, the spirit of Jezebel really stands out to me, um, which brings witchcraft and seducing spirits. The spirit of poverty, the spirit of greed, and I say that for the people that have a lot and don't give to those that are in need. The lying spirits. Spirit of destruction, rebellion, and division. And... Um, a lot of the children, or many and most of the children in care, have an abandonment, loss, grief, rejection, shame, confusion, and feelings of identity, loss, and crisis. Well, plenty to pray into there. Plenty. Actually, we might take a whole, um, the whole of our next prayer night for June. We might make that make this the focus, praying into some of those strongholds that are over um, our um, tamariki in Gisborne and probably nationally and just really um, speaking into that space and praying for our adoptive families as well. Um, Chrissy, can you share some of your own story please and, um, and the intersection that that has with what you do now? Sure. I just want to say first, can I read a scripture first? Yeah, yeah, anything you want. You are the one who put me together inside my mother's body, and I praise you because of the wonderful way you created me. Everything you do is marvellous. Of this I have no doubt. Nothing about me is hidden from you. I was secretly woven together deep in the earth below. But with your eyes you saw my body being formed, Even before I was born, you had written in your book everything I would do. I have a couple more scriptures, if that's all right. This one's out of Hosea, and it's um, entitled in this this, um, version of the Bible is God's love for his people. So this is about the mother heart of God too. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and I called my son out of Egypt. But as the saying goes, the more they were called, the more they rebelled. They never stopped offering incense and sacrifices to the idols of Baal. I took Israel by the arm and taught them to walk, but they would not admit that I was the one who had healed them. I led them with kindness and with love, not with ropes. I held them close to me. I bent down to feed them. But they trusted Egypt instead of returning to me. Now Assyria will rule them. War will visit their cities and their plans will fail. My people are determined to reject me for a God they think is stronger, but he can't help. Israel, I can't let you go. I can't give you up. My heart is turned within me. How could I possibly destroy you as I did the towns of Admar and Zilboim? I just can't do it. My feelings for you are much too strong. In another version, The word says, all my compassion is aroused. 
What an awesome God. Um, where to start? I have six children. Um, I've been married twice. I've raised my children primarily on my own. Um, I don't think anything could have prepared me um, for motherhood. I become a Christian, which is not, this is about, not about my testimony, but I become a Christian at uh, 21. And um, my first child, I had severe depression and I was paralysed. And it was an awful, awful thing because I'd come from um, a very strong faith. I was very zealous. I used to sing on the streets and it was a big shock to me. Um, then I had my second child um, who was born with a severe disability, a chromosome abnormality, and he's now 28, and he can say around six words in a two-word sentence. He was incontinent for 18 years, and um, the sorrow and grief and loss that I experienced, I can't really describe um, to you today, and I'm just going to keep it really brief. Um, the grief and loss for my son was extreme, but I already always knew there was a special place in the kingdom of God for him. Yeah. Um, I went on to have four other children. I praise the Lord. You know, the Lord, um, he chose us before foundation. He never gave up. He'll never give up, nor should we. I praise him because I'm unworthy, and here I stand before you today. I didn't want to come and speak today. I even had a dream, Shah, that I talked to you and we debated and I said, I can't come. And Shah said, no, you must come. I felt like I know that the Lord understands and understands my sorrow yeah. because what the Lord went through, I will never or nor will you ever go through. And um, I, my journey is to continue to run the race. I am no way perfect. I am that wretch that we sang about today. An amazing grace. I just want to take you back a little bit more to say that I feel like my being a mother was something that I was fighting for and trying to hold on to, that the enemy was trying to rub, rob me at every turn, that it didn't start with being a mother, but it started with not having a mother. So at the age of four, I was taken by my father from Gisborne. My brother was six months old, and I never saw my mother for years and years, and I felt unworthy, I felt rejected and abandoned, I felt unloved and I carried that on to, through my life as a mother in every relationship I had and um, that pain was with me and it's still with me and I said to my brother last week, I'm going to speak at church and he kind of said, well good luck with that but I'm going to pray for you because it was worse for him than it was for me. He was six months old. He was one of the first babies Sir Barrett Boyd operated on, known as a blue baby with congenital heart disease. He spent much of his childhood in hospital, and he thought the nurses in those days with the white dresses and the red coats were his mother, and every time they left the room, he followed them and wondered why they left. He was abused by housekeepers. He was and Dirty nappies were rubbed in his face. So he cries every time he thinks about Mum, because every mother today, we can't say mum. And those beautiful cards that say you were always with us, you always loved us, you were always there, but she she was not there. Um, but just going back that my mum doesn't know these thoughts or feelings that I have because I've never told her, because she never had a mum herself. Her own mum died at three, so she never learned to be a mum. But she's a beautiful lady, and she's a Christian, 
One thing I just want to end on, because that's really a brief, awful snapshot in like, is it 15 minutes? Is that I always wanted to do more for my children, but being a single mum, we didn't have the money. Like, one day I had to glue um, carpet, what do you call, underlay this old sacking one upside down with duct tape to keep our floors warm. I always wished I could do more. And when my son was here, my 24-year-old, Yeshe, and he came to church about four weeks ago, I said, you know, I wish I could have done more because there was so much sorrow, there was so much... It was happiness too. I have a sense of humour and I love my children. Um, and he said, Mum, you gave us the best, best gift ever, which was sharing the Lord with us. And he's a Christian. So money's not it. Salvation's it. The Lord is it. You know, let's run the race. Honey, you're a, a mum to six beautiful children and you are a mother in the workplace and to many of these short-term and long-term children that need placements across Gisborne. Um, her mahi is extremely difficult and um, extremely stressful. Uh, and shes I know there's a lot of criticism that can come their way also, but you now understand her heart for why she does what she does and her own the reasonings and why and how her own upbringing contributes to her mission and her workplace is her mission field. Absolutely, it's so obvious. Her family is her mission field. The beautiful child, your second born, I've had the privilege to meet him and we sat, um, we went for a walk one day along the boardwalk and, and we sat down at a picnic table and he just smiled the whole time and he was a delight to be around. And, and I recall you saying those kind of words that he's, he's, he is severely disabled, but he's a total delight, <laughs> a total delight. So the Lord bless you, Chrissy. Um, and happy Mother's Day from us. <laughs> Well, we're going to have a great prayer time today. Um, I'm going to ask those women to return to the front and um, we will pray for them at some point. But I'd just like to lead us into communion first. And um, we've got a picture here eventually of a certain mother. Yeah, Mother Teresa. <laughs> mother Teresa, mother of thousands, probably tens of thousands, of abandoned and unloved people. Uh, I think she was primarily Calcutta. Um, this is a little excerpt from her brief Nobel Peace Address. She was describing a child that she picked up off the street. She offered her some bread, and yet the starving child just ate it slowly, like crumb by crumb. She didn't just stuff it all in there, just picking it off crumb by crumb. She said to the child, eat the bread. She looked at me and said, I'm afraid to eat the bread because I'm afraid when it is finished I will be hungry again. This is a reality. Maybe we are not hungry for a piece of bread, but maybe there is somebody there in the family who is unwanted, unloved, uncared for, forgotten. 
There is love. Love begins at home. Love one another with great love. And that's quite a famous um, saying from Mother Teresa. Love one another with great love. And there it is really, in a nutshell, the message from these women this morning. Or maybe it's in a scallop shell. <laughs> love. Ben and Sandy. Love expanded their hearts and their home to love on Josh and his siblings. And love has expanded their hearts again to love on other children in need of short-term foster care. Like those little twins. Love, Natalie. Love expanded her heart to love on not just little Norpeta, but also to Whangai, to be involved in the raising of all of her brother's children, or four of them, Nathaniel, Tani, and Shane, and their little sister. And love, Chrissy. Love reached down to you, honey. You are a walking miracle. Love saw your brokenness and has made you alive in God. You are a new creation. You are fabulous in his sight. And you are fabulous amongst us. And you are fabulous in your workspace. The love of the Lord expands your heart daily to even get out of bed and go into that workspace and to love on those families that need short-term and long-term care. The love of God meets all of us, feeds us and nourishes us. And it challenges us to expand our hearts to love ourselves and to love one another. Thank you, Lord. You are restoring what the locusts have eaten. And your work of renewal goes on and it goes on and it goes on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you call us to make a difference by being your lovely creations and showing love to others. We honor you this day, Lord.